Hello, Remote Start Nation, and welcome to Remote Start, the podcast for the individual who wants to start a business, build a lifestyle brand, and do it all while living the lifestyle they desire. Our goal is to help you take that idea, skill, or passion and turn it into a profitable, scalable business that thrives within your community. I'm Jim Doyon, your host, and I am on a mission along with special guests to help you understand yourself, the lifestyle you truly want from your business, and what it takes to start and scale it through systems and creating a sought-after brand. Regardless of the industry or where your small business is at in its growth stage, Remote Start is packed with lessons, stories, and the do's and don'ts of how to get where you want. So my simple question to you, what are you ready to start? If it's in business, branding, or lifestyle, then start it now and join the Remote Start Nation. Without further ado, let's get this show started. What is up, Remote Start Nation? My name is Jim Doyon, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Remote Start. Today, we have a very special episode with a guest who I am very excited to introduce you to, Austin Weibers, owner and partner in Connexus Group, headquartered in Plymouth, Michigan. They're a professional staffing firm, and I've seen Austin grow this company from a small, uh, just him and his partner out of Plymouth, uh, out of Nashville, into a, a company that's all over the country. And uh, the growth has just been incredible. And Austin is somebody I've always looked up to. Austin, what is up, my man? Welcome to the Remote Start Nation podcast. Good to see you, Jim. And uh, good to see everybody listening in. So I want to start with, you know, Remote Start is about starting a business, building a brand and living your desired lifestyle. So you know, I've always looked up to you in that living your desired lifestyle, but let's start at the beginning. Let's start with how you went into business, what got you started, and, you know, and then we can get into kind of where you are today. Perfect. Well, um, kind of an odd time to start a business, but um, through learning the business through um, some other staffing companies here in Michigan, as well as down in Nashville, getting a little different take on how different companies operate specifically in our space. I left those organizations in 2009 to start Connexus Group. Now, the first question I always get asked is 2009, maybe not the best time to start a company, but on the flip side, I kind of looked at it in a sense of if we can start a company in 2009 and actually grow a company through the midst of a recession, just imagine what we can do when we get established coming out of the recession. And for me, my thought process behind starting and growing an organization at that point in time was, you know, when I could dedicate a lot of my time and energy day in and day out to running and starting an organization because it is very time consuming, money intensive and those type of things. But if I can do it where I don't have, you know, four kids that are dependent on food on the table and mortgage payments and things like that. I felt like it was the perfect time to start it because if it didn't work out, I could go get another job and nobody was impacted. If I was to do something along those lines now, uh, my risk tolerance uh, for a personal standpoint is very high. But when I start putting it on, you know, four kids and a wife and those type of things, it, it becomes a pretty heavy burden to carry. How old were you when you started? I was, what was it, 13 years ago now? So 29. So did you, before starting your business, was it something that you had thought of in the past of, Hey, when I get, you know, when I, at some point I want to run my own company or was like, how did that come about? I think at some point, like, you know, growing up, I'd always kind of had the dream of starting my own business. And I think nobody really knows growing up 
what they would start a business in, nor did I. And, you know, through working through different organizations, you know, I kind of got to the point where I felt like I could do um, this job and run an organization and take some of the best practices from some companies I've worked for in the past and tweak some things and get out of the gates and actually run my own company and do things a little bit differently than, you know, I kind of learned from some other, um, I guess, owners and leaders in the past. So when starting your business, whether were there certain, certain things that you had learned that you wanted to make sure you brought through with, you know, that dealt with like the customer service or, you know, what are some of those areas that you said, I, this is what I've learned and I'm going to take it to another level. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think for me, you know, at the beginning and even more so today, a very lifestyle focused business. So um, trust, balance, and humility are three core values. And one of the ones that's probably most important to me is the balance aspect of things. And, you know, be able to start a company not only for myself and, a, a, you know, have balance from a personal and work standpoint over the years has been vitally important to me from a personal health standpoint and growing a successful business. And, you know, what I've always said is I want that to trickle down. So I don't want employees that start with me tomorrow working around the clock seven days a week, because I, at the end of the day, I don't think that's a sustainable scenario for somebody to be here long-term we take a lot of pride in people starting with us and staying with us. So in terms of our internal attrition rate, it's very low from an industry standard because you know, I think we have this set up internally where, yeah, numbers are important and we want to grow a business. But in order for that to be sustainable long-term, you know, I, you know, for example, myself, I take my kids to school in the morning, I pick them up after school. And is that during working hours? Yes. But as long as we're getting our jobs done, I want people to have those same freedoms, you know, not only for myself, but for every employee in the company. So talk to me a little bit. So the remote start nation understands more about uh, your team and, and these values you're, you're working throughout your organization. Talk a little bit more about what Connexus group is and, um, and then we can go into some more of those, uh, those values. Yep. So when I started the company in 2009, like I said, I'd worked for a couple other companies in the past and, you know, took some best practices out of those organizations and, and tweaked kind of what we were going to do internally to make sure we service the client the right way. And at the beginning, it was primarily focused in the, in the software development space, uh, staffing from a staff augmentation standpoint, as well as some project-based work that we had done in the past. From there, we were able to grow the organization um, through hiring primarily just based off of, you know, culture fit internally. So by that, you know, what I, what I have always believed is, you know, I can teach people the intangibles of the job and what to do and how to do it and how to become successful in this industry. What I can't teach people are their personality, their ability to build relationships and their competitive drive. Those are things that I've tried to teach people those things in the past, but unfortunately, you know, teaching some of those things that people either have or they don't have, um, is next to impossible to do is what I've found out. So we've hired primarily based off of those things. And that's led to me hiring friends, family members, um, a lot of people that, you know, may or may not have even had any industry experience, bringing them in under the Connexus umbrella, teaching them how we do things, why we do things. And that's led to a really good and dynamic internal culture, you know, at Connexus Group. And, you know, I think on the flip side, people are like, hey, every business book I read, don't hire friends, don't hire family. 
those type of things. And, and I've read some of those same books and, you know, my thought process behind it is if you're going to treat people the right way and treat people how you want to be treated, you know, why would you not want to work with, you know, your brother, your best friends and those type of things. But yeah, could you hire every friend or relative that you have? Maybe, maybe not. But I also don't think that to shut those doors completely is something that I haven't thought was the, the best thing to do internally. And it's allowed me to get to work with some of my best friends from high school, get to work with my brother and my best friend growing up and do it all at the same time. I've grown a business from 2009. When we started the company. We did right around a million dollars in revenue. Uh, last year, we did just right around $30 million in revenue. And currently on pace this year, we're on pace to do about 33. So we've had some pretty good growth over the years, but we've never veered away from the, the balance aspect of things. We can grow a business, but we don't have to do it at the sacrifice of being around friends, family, and loved ones too. And that's kind of the balance aspect of, you know, one of our core values of like, how can we do this? And what's the best way to do it to make sure we're driving each other, but at the, not at the expense of missing kids soccer games and dance recitals and those type of things. Which that living that lifestyle is so important and something that I think so many entrepreneurs get away from. They're so ingrained in building their business and being so hands-on. And I know you and I in the past have talked about surrounding yourselves with, with the right people. And you've seen, you've been able to do that with family and friends and, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about your growth. You, you just talked about your growth, but what is, how are you growing? How, what, what have you found success in? Um, I know you, you know, you started in Nashville, then Plymouth and, and talk to me about that. So in the past, probably, I guess, I guess the first 10 years, our, our growth was primarily just organic. So we'd hire some individuals, whether they experience or not, bring them up to speed on how we think, do things internally. And then we would transition business that we've had over the years to those individuals. And then they would take the ball and run with it. And I would move on to something else as far as seeing what other potential clients we could identify and grow and those type of things. And, and that worked really well for us. Uh, for a while, uh, the last few years, we've we've pivoted a, a little bit, maybe from a higher level standpoint of could we acquire you know clients through small acquisitions. So in our space, you know, now that we're a thirty million dollar company, I get plenty of calls from private equity firms and things like that. Of hey, would you be interested in selling? At what valuation? Why? Why not? Those type of things. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not really interested in going down that road right now. I mean, it's flattering to get those calls, but I really like, you know, what I've done and established and the people that I'm around and they want me to keep running the company. And I obviously want to keep running the company too. But what we found is this niche of like, when you start a company in our space, I guess, specifically, if you fall within the, the zero to $5 million in revenue standpoint, there's zero interest from other private equity firms or other companies in general about potentially acquiring those companies. And the primary reason is there's like no diversification of clients. So what I mean by that is you might be a $4 million company and have two clients. Well, a private equity firm at the end of the day, they would say there's no way that we could acquire this company because the risk associated with losing one or two of those clients is like the company could be worth a million bucks or it could be worth nothing tomorrow. And those aren't you know situations that they want to get involved in um, through kind of maybe some thinking outside the box and talking to some different individuals that kind of fall in that space, we found a pretty good niche of 
those owners are kind of running around selling, recruiting, back office, financial risk, and those type of things that they may or may not even want to do. And to get from that $5 million threshold to a $30 million threshold, there's some pretty big financial components from a risk tolerance standpoint that people would have to do. And a lot of times people aren't comfortable doing those things for a variety of different reasons, whether it's family, financial stress, whatever it may be. But underneath our company umbrella, we already have a lot of those processes in place. So we could acquire a, a small company like that and take on no additional back office support to run those organizations yeah. and allow those previous owners to really focus on what they're good at and driving some future growth for us. And yes, there's some risk associated with buying a small company that maybe only has one or two clients. Absolutely. But if it's structured in the right way, where the company is worth, hypothetically speaking, a million dollars, you're not giving a million dollars up front. Yeah. You're giving them a small portion of that. And then the, over the next couple of years, they're going to get that, assuming that all the business transitions over properly. So there's always an element of risk, obviously, but if it's structured the right way, the risk can be minimized. And some of those acquisitions have led to, you know, some of our growth in the last few years, because we've been able to pick up clients that we, we never would have known about in the past. And it's some of the challenges I imagine you face, or as you're looking at acquiring, it, it has to be somebody that fits within your culture and understands your values, right? Correct. Yeah. So I, when I went into this whole, you know, kind of like, hey, pivot, could we do something a little bit different to drive some future growth and new clients and those type of things? My primary goal was to target small companies where the owners would ultimately come over to Connexus Group and acquire some type of equity in the Connexus umbrella. Now we've, every acquisitions we've, we've done so far, the previous owners kind of wanted to get out of the industry altogether. So in those scenarios, we acquired some of their business and then we managed it, you know, through our internal Connexus group employees here. Now, could that change? Absolutely. I mean, I still think finding somebody that, you know, had the right mindset and the right culture fit, you know, as far as what we're trying to do here internally at Connexus group, could we do even more significant growth if we can find those individual leaders that want to come in and be a part of what we're trying to accomplish? But all the acquisitions we've done so far, although they've been great financially, those leaders have moved on to either retirement or some job in another industry, which is fine. And we've taken over that business, taken over that business and done really well with it. Yeah. But in the future, there could be scenarios where we acquire a small organization and those leaders want to stay on board. And then we kind of negotiate what that scenario looks like long-term for those people too. What does, what does the business look like in five years? Um, I mean, that's a good question. So a lot of times people ask me like, Hey, did you see yourself in this situation running this company when you started? And I think the short answer is no. Um, I think there's a lot of people that go into entrepreneurship or, you can map out till the cows come home of like, this is going to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And then at the end of the day, you never start a company Yeah, where I kind of focused on like, Hey, I think I can do this. I can do it better than maybe some places that I've worked in the past, just get out there and do it. And then over time, you know, as you start tweaking things and hiring the right people, you know, those things will naturally happen. So that's led us to grow over the years. And, and my philosophy from an ownership standpoint is I never want to lose a good employee due to lack of growth potential. So what I mean by that, if, if I wanted to start a company, run a company, and I just wanted to hire people that had no growth potential opportunities underneath my company, 
I would have a ton of turnover because those people would be like, well, if I can't go anywhere, or move up within the organization, I'm going to take another job where I can move up. So some of those things have naturally happened because you hire good people that are competitive and want to improve. Well, I have to, from an ownership standpoint, provide them those opportunities. Otherwise, they're not going to be here. Yeah. So when I look at a five-year projection, you know, I think we'll continue to grow because you know we've come on 13 years or we just passed 13 years and we've grown every year. So I think we're doing something right. Now I think it's going to be growth through these small acquisitions and you know, not swinging for the fences type of thing where we potentially go from where we're at today, 30 million-ish to could we get to 50, 60 million dollars? Yes. Are we going to be a billion dollar company? No. But I think, you know, I can look myself in the mirror in those scenarios like I could grow the company faster, but it would involve a lot of personal sacrifices that I wouldn't want to make. So I still think we can grow if we surround ourselves with the right people and be strategic about some of these small acquisitions. But with us not, you know, buying a company our size and taking those huge financial risks as well as the limitations I'm going to put on myself of like, I'm not going to be bouncing all over the country, trying to break clients and grow our business. We will continue to grow. I just think it'll be at a clip of maybe, I don't know, eight to 12% a year, as opposed to we're going to double every two years type of thing. And as a leader, you've been able to instill that in your team and, you know, it kind of goes back to surrounding yourself with the right, right. people. Right. And everybody on the same, on the same page and understanding that your company values and the values that you're bringing to the team, like that's the most important. It doesn't, yes, you want to grow like you just said, right? But at the same time, you don't want to do it at the expense of put, stressing everybody out and not being able to be around your family and you know doing all that. I, I respect that so much. Yeah, and I'm sure we've all worked for companies where you show up every day and you know, it's never enough, you know, it's kind of like, gosh, like you go home, you're like, man, is are these people ever going to be satisfied? And, you know, we all want to grow because we're all competitive. Otherwise we wouldn't be in some of the seats that we're in, but it, at what cost is the big thing, you know? And I think not only looking at myself, as far as what that can, you know, what consists of, you know, that from running the company, but looking at other individuals inside the company of like, I don't want people to feel like I'm all over them to grow a business and they're having to sacrifice things that, I personally don't sacrifice either. And my philosophy has been, you know, I don't expect my employees to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. So yeah. if I'm going to have good work-life balance and do some of these things. I expect my employees to be able to do those things too. And whether that's, Hey, I got a call coming in at dinner. It's really important. I'm, I might take it. I, I might not take it. I don't know. And everybody can make those calls or those judgment calls on their own, as far as the importance of what needs to be done, you know, on and off work hours, but that doesn't mean, they need to be chained at their desk from eight to five either. So what's one piece of advice you'd give a, if someone came to you today and said, Austin, I want to start my own business. What's one piece of advice you'd give them? Is to not overthink the aspect of starting their own business. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have a business idea and they have proposals and all these, all these different things documented as far as, and then they never do it. You know, I think there's an element of don't overthink it because if you expect to have everything figured out before you even get your website going or hire your first employee, you're crazy. You're going to have to constantly think on the fly. But my biggest piece of advice is if you have a good idea and you're really passionate about something, take the leap of faith and do it. Because if you sit back 
and analyze every component of why you should or shouldn't do it, you'll never start a company. Yeah, it's start something, start something today. Just get it started, right? You can always tweak it. You can always make it better. You know, with branding, it's a, it's a big thing too. Like it, you don't have to have the perfect logo. You don't have to have the perfect, you know, all your values set up in the beginning. Like just start, get it started, get on the yeah. phone, hammer it out, get, find the clients and the rest will fall into place. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, I start a company. Like what about a year from now? Where am I going to be your tweet? It's like, I didn't know when I started the company in 2009 in the middle of a recession where I'd be in 2010 or 2011 or, right. or today, but it was something I felt passionate about that, you know, I can do. And, you know, people thought I was crazy at the time, but you know, it's panned out. So I think, you know, my biggest piece of advice is don't try and figure everything out before you even open the doors because you're going to have, like, I ran my first pay, I started my company and then all of a sudden it came to my first payroll. And I'm like, man, I don't really know how to run payroll, you know? So I'm <laughs> calling my uncle and calling all these different people, but it sounds crazy. It's like, well, you start a company, you don't know how to run payroll. And it's like, well, yeah, because I knew like how the business operated and how to make money, all these other things I can figure out on the fly. And, and I did. And, you know, over time I've hired people to kind of take on some of those roles and responsibilities because my accounting skills uh, are not the best. So was that, <laughs> was that one of your first big hires was someone to, to run the financial aspect of the business? So yeah, that was a big stressor of mine. I mean, I did a lot of the financial stuff for a while. I mean, inefficiently would, would probably be a, a compliment. Um, <laughs> so when I, when I bought out my business partner uh, eight years ago, one of my big stresses was finding a really good back office person that I know and trust. And, you know, I was actually able to find somebody through some coworkers of mine that played in the golf league with somebody that we went to high school with that was, um, you know, local CPA here that came on board and goes back to the culture fit. And, you know, I know obviously, you know, that role is more numbers focused, but that doesn't mean they're not a part of the company. And we want there to be a good culture fit as far as what we're trying to do, you know, not only from an accounting standpoint, but from a recruiting sales standpoint too, of really finding that person that can, you know, you know, check a few different boxes as far as what we're trying to accomplish. Do you think you have uh, you got a big family there? You ever think one of your kids will jump in and, and take over one day or? Yeah, that we always joke around because my, my oldest is 10. Um, so then, you know, my older brother works for me down in Nashville. And he's like, so do you think one day I'm going to be working for Griff? You know, I'm <laughs> like, well, possibly. I don't know if they're going to want to, you know, jump into the, uh, the staffing uh, world. But um, yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool to, uh, you know, I already mix a lot of family and friends as it relates to work um that had a little bit different element adding a son or daughter to the mix but i think that stuff could be a lot of fun in the process too if you were to hand the keys over to griff what's the biggest thing you'd make sure he uh he followed along in your footsteps with i just think the biggest thing is just treat people how you want to be treated you know people are like why do they stay or you know those type of things i mean i i really try and, and value the relationships not only my family and friends but everybody inside the company you know, as far as what we're trying to provide for them and their families. And, you know, that's what I try and instill at him is like, Hey, we're running a company, but we're all people and we want to treat people the right way. Are we trying to grow a business and does everyone need to put food on the table? Absolutely. But I think we can do it in the right way of treating people the right way too. And you are 
of all the people I know in business, you live the lifestyle that you want to live up there with the best of them. And I absolutely respect and love the fact that you, your office, your home is all downtown where you live around where your, your kids go to school, you walk your kids to school. I absolutely love that and respect that about you. And I, I, I you know, hats off on that, man. I, I think that's such, such a cool thing. So, um, you know, on that, is that, was that something you thought out a long time before it happened or did it just kind of happen that way or? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think from a, an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur standpoint, starting a company before I had kids um, was definitely easier on me from a mentality standpoint of I didn't have anything to do Monday at six or seven o'clock at night. I could focus on driving a business and what we're trying to accomplish and those type of things. You know, now if you ask me if I was to start a company, you know, if I had to miss my son's soccer game or my daughter's dance recital, it would be a lot harder decision to make, you know, as opposed to at the beginning, I didn't, I lived in an apartment, didn't have a lot of responsibility outside of, you know, my job. So I was able to focus a lot of time and energy in specifically kind of getting it started, ultimately to get to the point where I'm, where I'm at today, where I could, you know, take my kids to school, you know, take them to soccer games, soccer tournaments and those type of things and, and not have to sacrifice those things. But at the beginning, I think any entrepreneur would tell you it's a lot of work to get these things started. And I think that's why, you know, finding these companies that are in the zero to $5 million range, those owners are, are wearing a lot of different hats. So it's a pretty stressful job. If you, if you tack on some kids and they're trying to do that at the same time, you know, I understand that that's a big burden to carry of growing a business. I did it, but I really didn't have any other options in a sense of nobody was calling us to, to buy us. So my only focus was like, let's just keep going and we'll figure it out later. You know, now we have a lot of people in the right spots. My job's easier now than it was, you know, when we were a $4 million company, but yeah. it takes a lot of work to get there too. So awesome. Where, where can uh, the remote start nation, if they're out there, they want to find out more about you. They want to find out more out about your brand. Where can they go to find that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, in our business, good or bad, we're always on LinkedIn, you know, networking with various professionals across the country, especially the way the world works now. We used to all be in offices every day. Now we have people sitting in all 50 states um, that, you know, I just know via Zoom and it is what it is, you know, in that regard. But if anyone wants to um, reach out to me via LinkedIn, shoot me a message, schedule a call, whatever it may be, um, you know, I'm kind of like Jim in the, in the standpoint of, you know, I want to help people kind of, if they want to take that leap of faith, but they're nervous to start a company, they don't want to run payroll or whatever it may be. I can have those phone calls with people. And, and I was lucky enough, my, my uncle had an optometry practice. So he's like, I'm like, how do I, you know, the IRS sent me a letter. I own this money. Like, what do I do? You know, I had somebody from an entrepreneurship standpoint uh, to call on. And, you know, if I can be that sounding board or Jim can be that sounding board for any of anybody on this podcast, you know, I'm always accessible and available, you know, feel free to find me on LinkedIn or Jim can send that out and shoot me a message. And, you know, I'd be more than happy to help wherever I can. And I'll put, I'll put in your show notes, uh, your LinkedIn profile and uh, your, your website for your company and, and uh, the remote star nation can find you that way. Um, and with that said, Austin, I want to thank you so much for being on today's episode and uh, such great value for the remote star nation. Thank you. It means the world to me, man. Uh, thanks a lot, Jim. I'll talk to everyone later. All right. See ya. Well, Remote Start Nation, we have come to the end of another episode. 
This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Woodward Movement, your go-to for brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head on over to remotestartpodcast.com or our social channels to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you on your journey. And as always, please don't forget to share the Remote Start Podcast with your friends and colleagues you think would enjoy being part of the Remote Start Nation. Until next time.